watching again. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Plastics Podcast. Today, it's hosted by me, Blair LaCrosse, and my co-host slash producer, Maddie Gaylor. What's up, Maddie? Hey, hey. How's it going? Great. Happy Good. to be here. Good. This week, we found some real exciting matches outside the Premier League with Villarreal facing off against Real Madrid. Then, Serie A title contenders Napoli and Inter battle it out for a tie, only to have Milan win their game and take the lead back by one point in the league. Finally, we end the weekend by venturing back to the Premier League to visit a couple of teams that had some major changes in the transfer window in Nas- Newcastle, Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle v. Aston Villa. Let's do this. All right. Nascastle, Nas- NASCAR. <laughs> Nascastle. That's the synthesis of the Premier League and NASCARs, Nascastle. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. playing at the number nine position today. Nascastle just sounds like a disgusting sport. <laughs> it does, yeah. Or like a really uh, unhealthy energy drink or something. <laughs> yeah. Boost your game up with NASCAR. Nascastle. Chug it. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Blair? I'm good, uh, Maddie. We've been talking a bit about this episode, and we wanted to take a left turn to cover some of the Olympic events that we've been watching. So exciting. I mean, honestly, that Nathan Chen routine shivers. It's amazing. So NBC has had us on location in China to watch these events. It's crazy. Yeah. Paying us the big bucks to be there. They want all of our insights Mm -hmm. because we know everything there is to know about all the Olympic events. Yeah. Having contended in each of them ourselves. So yeah, Nathan Chen, what a guy. That was amazing. Uh, Zach and I stayed up till 1230 in the morning to watch that. (laughs) I was so close. I was three people away from watching his routine and sleep got the better of me. And I woke up to him being awarded the gold medal. And I said, great. Yeah. I don't need to see it. It happened. So impressive. He won the gold in the men's singles. There was some stiff competition from a lot of Japanese contenders. The silver medalist and runner up Yuma Kageyama was especially impressive. He like he's just a kind of a shorter guy and he just gets like so much acceleration in his spins. Like it's really, it was really, really impressive. Um, and figure skating was something that I never ever watched. Really? Yeah. Just didn't really care about it. It was the only thing I watched. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I really loved it. I was a big Michelle Kwan fan growing up. So like maybe, uh, you know, I did as a youth, but like, you know, I, I just stopped paying attention to it, but man, Tell you what, the Nathan Chen routine, you you really do like get like chills watching it. It was it's, impressive. It's because he does it on he does it unlike so many other people. Yeah. He picked a song and landed the jumps on the beat. <laughs> yeah, it was like perfectly timed to the song. Like like it was ramping up and then the beat drops and he lands the thing and yep. you're just like, Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, some other events that we were talking about, though, um, was the speed skating. We didn't get to watch the speed skating, but I just saw on Twitter the results. And an American woman won the um, woman's 500-meter speed skating event. Her name is Erin Jackson. And get this. Erin Jackson started speed skating four months ago. <laughs> I... 
That is... She she walked on ice for the first time in what like 2019 <laughs> yeah, or something, something like that. Like that yeah. <laughs> so Erin uh, Jackson is uh, a woman from um, Osala, Florida. Okawa, Osala. I think it's Osala, but I don't know. She is an engineer by trade, I guess, and she was in the, she per, uh, performed in uh, roller derby uh, competitions um, in Florida, I guess. Like so that's any kind of badass. Does yeah yeah yeah. Uh, what was her her roller derby name? Baby. Baby. B a y b e e. B a. I think it was e b e e like bay. I think it was b a y. B a y. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so cool name. Um, she was performing in roller derbies and decided like I'm gonna try my hand at speed skating and then like just literally just got the gold medal at the Olympics. Because why not? You know. Incredible. Uh, it's an incredible story and like it's really like the, um, like question that everybody gets where it's like if you had to compete in one olympic event and place you know what would, you, what would be your best chances of placing which event and obviously she, it's curling <laughs> yeah yeah she literally just did that she's like yeah i'm gonna do speed skating and then just got the gold <laughs> i feel like it this week i, I really like the ice it's kind of cool i'm just gonna try it out you know see where it lands me on the podium yeah so yeah, highly impressive, Aaron. Way to go! That's uh, awesome way to represent us. I um, had a, a couple of other uh, mentions or people I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. uh, if that's all right. Yeah, Zoe Sadowski, the uh, New Zealander uh, who won the women's slope style and snowboarding, really impressive routine. Like hats off to her. It was crazy. Um, yeah. and there were Americans looking to podium, uh, and she just kind of came out and stomped a really impressive run. That was awesome. Eileen Gu, uh, who's a 18 year old, um, from San Francisco, but she competes for China, won the women's big air free sca- freestyle skiing as well. That was a really impressive performance from her. And then we watched the men's half pipe as Sean white Ugh. rode off into the sunset in his last uh, professional competition. Um, and, uh, unfortunately for Sean, he didn't, uh, he didn't podium. So close. Yeah. He so was fourth, close. I think yeah. he got like an 85, Yeah, but he was sort of outshone, I guess, by this, uh, Japanese contender or competitor, uh, Ayumu Hirano, who was literally flying through the air at heights never before achieved by a man. Yeah. <laughs> He had he had the most controversial like announcing yeah, I have yeah. ever heard. Like these announcers were appalled that he did like the triple cork yeah, for the first, first time, time ever. ever. <laughs> and the announcers are like, How could that only get like a seventy-five? This yeah. was amazing. Oh my gosh, like he just got it stolen from yeah. him. And then the next time he does the triple cork again, yeah. lands it again mm-hmm. and and wins it on that one. But they were like they were pissed yeah for this kid it was uh, a guy on the nbc call he was super upset super upset he's <laughs> yeah. like i've been doing this my whole life I, <laughs> I know what a good run looks like and that was a flawless run and he got a 91.5 it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense he was incensed like he was saying that he was saying that they grenaded their credibility as as judges <laughs> yeah. he said it like four times to be tw- he tweeted that they grenaded their credibility he, like, oh yeah. he was gosh. so mad and then uh you know like ayumi hirano just comes out and stomps the same run and like they give him a 96 and he gets the gold which yeah. is like purely vindication but yeah it was like oh right we did him wrong last time yeah. maybe we should do it right yeah 
Yeah, very, very impressive. There was also, we watched, it, it's hard because that, they're either at like 1 a.m. or like 10 p.m. Yeah. And so we're catching like a lot of the late nights and we watched the mixed doubles. Um, oh, yeah. Snowboard. The snow, snowboard cross. Yeah. Right? And a 44-year-old from America, no, 40-year-old, won uh, him and his partner, who is 36, won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, this is his first medal um, in any Olympic competition. He's done it like every year since he was yeah. young. It was Nick Baumgartner yeah. who uh, played football at Northern Michigan University and is from Michigan. Are you kidding? I yeah. know he was from Iron Mountain, yeah. but I didn't know he played football. That's hilarious. Yep. And then Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who yes. I think is like, you know, she's been in the Olympics five times. And yeah. She's, yeah, very uh, illustrious. It's been fun. It's been, it's like a moral dilemma to watch the Olympics, but it's, yeah, (laughs) it's fun to watch them, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I I think my friends and I in in our group chat were talking about the Olympics and we're like, do any of us care about this at all? I was like, no, no, No. I don't plan on watching any of this. And then you like turn on one of them and you're like, okay, I'm kind of getting into this. This is pretty cool. (laughs) And then you watch Nathan Chen's routine and you're like, I'm going to watch every single thing this kid does. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's talk soccer. All right, let's get real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Villa Real, nil. Real Madrid, nil. Boy, oh boy, we picked some winners this weekend. <laughs> the Plastics Podcast curse <laughs> once again rears its ugly head. We saw a goalless draw um, in like a fairly entertaining game. I thought it was like kind of slow, but yeah, it was a bit disappointing not to see any of these, uh, any goals from either team. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as you may know, I'm a Villarreal fan. Um, I have to be by uh, legal contract. I swore an oath to Unai Emery after he was fired from Arsenal that if he beat Arsenal in the Europa League with Villarreal that I would forever have to root for him until the day he or I die. And so, yes, uh, Villarreal, uh, I am... What 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 would I what would you call me? I'm the surf. I'm their surf. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, and we, we've talked about Villarreal in the past. They've had a like, really really strange season in La Liga. They're like drawing a ton of games. Um, they seem to be on a little bit better form lately, and they look pretty good in this game. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of expecting Real Madrid just to show up and kind of stomp them, but that's not really what happened. I mean, they had a couple players out on injury. Um, with a weird start from Gareth Bale up front. That was surprising to me. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was pretty shocked. And no Luka Modric to start. Yeah. Yeah, Luka Modric did come on late in the game, yeah. but it was Valverde that got the start uh, in his place. So, yeah, um, I guess uh, some some changes. Yeah, no, no Benzema, obviously, and no Modric. That's, I don't know, I mean, two pretty key players for <laughs> Real Madrid, especially Benzema up top. So Is he injured? I actually don't know what his deal was. Let's okay. see, was he on the bench even? I don't I don't think so. No, he wasn't. And and when uh Bale did finally come off, it was uh Luka Jovic who came on for mm-hmm. him. So yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with the Mercedes Benz, but <laughs> yeah, we don't know for sure. So let's kind of get into the game a little bit. What were your impressions in the first half? I thought they each had each team had their half 
right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, Villarreal's first half, uh, Villarreal's first half was their half to attack. Mm -hmm. um, they had had some shots. They had one that was so close <laughs> and it went right off the edge of the post yep. and out of bounds. They had the shot. I think it was in the first half still where the keeper saved it, bounced back to a Villarreal player and then they shot it again and a defender blacked it. That was a uh, Villarreal, right? That was the Real Madrid uh, oh, I, shot. I'm, and okay. then uh, Serge Aurier saved it from crossing okay. the line with a, like a goalie, goalie save, hockey goalie yeah. save with its knees. So like both teams really had their opportunities and in different halves, they just kind of like, I think Real Madrid was unprepared for Villa's like style of play in the first half. And then, you know, got their pep talk in the second half and they're like, all right, we can do it. But they couldn't <laughs> still, <laughs> nobody could, nobody could break down the defense enough to put one in the box. Yeah. It was a, yeah, I, I think Real Madrid kind of showed up in the first half and like going through the motions for the most part. Yeah. It wasn't really until about like the 36th or 37th minute where I think Gareth Bale got played through by Casemiro and he was in one-on-one -on -one with Rui uh, who had to make a really, really nice save. Uh, he had to make himself big, come off his line to stop Bale from finding the net. And that's kind of, I think, maybe what set the tone for the second half. But the first half for them was just really, really poor. I mean, they they just didn't seem at all interested in playing the game. Bale wasn't seen at all. Yeah, he was up until that moment. He was completely non-existent. <laughs> they they sat back really, really far, and there was no way for them to get the ball to bail because he was still up where he should be, mm -hmm. and that is behind you know the midfield and their defense. Yeah. So there was no way for him to get the ball. There was nobody really in between, and it was just them sitting back, taking the shots. And then kind of realizing, oh, this is not how you win a game. Yeah, it was a lot of like pot shots from distance and mm -hmm. like just, you know, shots that you knew were basically like prayers. They didn't really have much of a chance um, outside of maybe a lucky bounce to to score. So, yeah, it, it was it was pretty like it was a pretty lazy performance, I would say. Marcelo, the, that is the left back for Real Madrid. Marcelo was basically left to mark uh, Samuel Chiquese, who was running at him down the right wing for Villarreal. Chiquese is a really, uh, you know, he's, he's a really technically sound player. Um, he's great with the ball at his feet. And he was giving Marcelo fits. And, and really, uh, you know, um, Marcelo and like Vinicius, like all, all the players that were kind of trying to track him, track back his runs and, and cover. They just like they couldn't throw enough guys at him in the first half. He was just dancing around Real Madrid defenders uh, with ease and, and getting into the box. And he really struggled because he couldn't find Villarreal, you know, players to pass to in the box and, and to set up. So it seemed like he kind of grew some frustration out of that. But he would, he was just roasting Marcelo on that side, and even the commentators were saying that. You know, Marcelo was like, what do they say? His legs or his feet were like marshmallows or something. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he he was the obvious weak point in their defense, um, especially in the first half. And it seemed like if anything was going to happen, it was going to be down that right side for Villarreal. 
uh, by way of uh, Samuel Chikweze, who had a really, really flashy and uh, really impressive performance in the first half. So, yeah, what do you think? So I'm looking at his heat map. Mm-hmm. And for a defender, his heat map is pretty high. Yeah, so... Yeah, he, he, he does get up the field, right? And like that's, I think, where Marcelo's... Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like right outside the opposition 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like Marcelo's, uh, you know, redeeming feature as a, as a fullback, right? Mm-hmm. He's like pretty good. He's a pretty good distributor, passer, and maybe lacks a little bit on some of the, the defending stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was a pretty uh, interesting <laughs> performance from him. Um, he lost a bunch of ground duels, and I think most of those came by way of Samuel Chikweze. Um So, yeah. yeah. Definitely the weakest player in the bunch. David Alaba and uh, Carvajal mm-hmm. had to really make up for Marcelo's lack of defending work. Yeah, I thought I thought Alaba and, and Militao like generally did a pretty good job uh, in this game, and yeah, it was just Marcelo that was really breaking down for them on the on the defensive front. So, both keepers though had a really good good game. Yeah, definitely true. I wanted I wanted to highlight that one next. I think uh, Geronimo Rui for Villarreal had a really impressive performance. I mean, he had. Uh, five saves that he had to make. Four of them came from shots inside the box. A couple of them were, I mean, you know, he had to tip the ball. And in, in in one case, he tipped the ball, hit the crossbar. I mean, like he was just like, it was, uh, you know, these really marginal moments that were coming coming out for him. But he had an excellent, excellent game for sure. Um, and I think, I think in the end, you know, Villarreal salvaged the point because Rui really was standing on his head in goal. So mm-hmm. that was a very, very impressive performance from him. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk about Gareth Bale? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. He didn't really, he had 19 touches on the ball in <laughs> the game. Where was he? <laughs> Because even when they had their half of attacking and and they were looking good, I I didn't really see too much of him. And I think the main attacking um, threat was Vinny. Mm, yes, Vinny, who maybe we should go go oh, into after this. But yeah, so such a frustrating player <laughs> yeah, to watch play yeah. this game. Yeah, it was really annoying. Um, yeah, so Bale is like a really low touch guy and. He had like he had a really strange performance because he wasn't really present in the game for most of it. But when he was, it was like the these really like dangerous moments for Villarreal where it's like Bale's making these streaking runs in behind or uh, you know making making a run down the wing and, and uh, you know dribbling onto his his left foot and uh, taking a, taking a shot. Um, I think that was actually the one that was tipped and hit the crossbar came off of Gareth Bale's shot. So mm-hmm. like he was like you know he provided a lot of threat in a low touch capacity, which made for just really strange performance and all. Cause it's kind of like, you know, you, sometimes you have these guys who they, they're like that, you know, maybe they're like really loose at the ball. Um, but, and they make like really, uh, foolish errors, but they, they produce goals like this. That was the eternal problem with Alexi Sanchez at Arsenal. He was just really, really sloppy with the ball, but he also just like could make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And that was like, maybe, you know, maybe that Gareth Bale just kind of falls in that category where, 
he doesn't really affect the game um, from moment to moment, but he can just kind of produce something out of nothing. And he almost did in this game. So it was a really strange performance from him and all. But, um, you know, I mean, he very nearly uh, found the net. So hard to really judge what uh, he brings to Real Madrid versus Benzema. But you want to talk about Vinny? Dun, 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 shameless dive of the year. Oh my gosh. And I can't even pick one because it was the entire game. I think the first three times he had the ball and got dispossessed, he just fell. He just flat out fell. Yeah. Yeah. Vinicius Jr. Like is, he's a very good player and he's really growing into like, you know, sort of stardom. I, I'd say he's kind of, reaching hit the levels of potential that Real Madrid literally paid for. I mean, they paid a pretty hefty fee to buy him. Um, and he's still, you know, a young player at 21. Um, but good God, man, like I have no idea what, what had happened to him, like going into this game, but he just like, he was co- playing soccer from the ground. I don't get it. Uh, constantly like complaining to the referee and trying to get calls to go his way. And the ref was just having none of it. I think the ref at one point was just like, Hey man, if you keep falling and I know these are BS falls, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the call (laughs) when it's an actual foul because you're just the boy who cried foul right now. Yeah. You're not going to get him anymore. Yep. Yep. That's, that's really true. I mean, and he, there was even one, I think like you described where he was like, you know, there might've been a legitimate foul there and the ref just gave him like the most like curt, like <laughs> get up that you've ever seen. Like he like swiped his hand, like up, like get off the ground. Like I know you're you faking fool. it. Yeah. Like he wasn't getting any favor from the referee and just like as, as the game went on and he kept with the antics, like it was just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, it's not fun to watch that kind of, it's it's not a fun way to play. Yeah. Because you're you're stopping the game from progressing and it's it, it's just like you are essentially taking yourself off of the field. Yeah, exactly. For those, you know, minute where you're sitting on the ground with your hands in the air and you're like, oh, yeah. and it's like <laughs> you're not helping your team. In fact, you're quite literally taking away a player from your team to pass to, to work with. Yep. You're creating a little bubble around yourself that nobody can go into. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he kind of turned into like a pit, right? Like the ball would go to him and then it wouldn't come back out, you know? And it was either like he was falling and losing the ball or like, you know, trying to draw a foul. Maybe maybe he would occasionally, but like not really. So he had five dribble attempts and two were successful. (laughs) yeah and like i think too with real madrid it was like they were they seemed disinterested but like when they did seem like they were trying to trying to put together some sort of cohesive attack it was coming down the left side with Vinny. Mm -hmm. you know asensio didn't really seem to have much involvement in that first half at all it was mostly through venetius but you know you want to talk about why they didn't score in that half and why they didn't really produce much is because venetius was constantly on the ground so he lost the possession 16 times yeah (laughs) but my god God, is he fast? Yeah, he's incredibly fast. Yeah. Like, he just blew by F- uh, Foyet. Foyth. Yeah. Foyth. Who, uh, to give him all credit, he handled Vinicius so well. Mm-hmm. 
He did, yeah. He, I think he had a, a pretty good performance. Much better than Marcelo handled Jacoese, for yes. sure. Um, yeah, and Vinicius isn't an easy guy to bottle up. I mean, he's a really quality player, so that was... Uh, a really key, you know, matchup for Villarreal that I think they executed to about as high a level as they could have expected from Foyth in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, getting into the second half, I mean, I think what changed for Real Madrid is, one, they just played the game like they were playing soccer, but more so, they were really, uh, I think, getting getting Bale a little bit more involved, but getting Asensio involved, too, and trying to go down the right and offer something different than just the continual uh, pass to Vinicius and see what happens. And I think that's ultimately what led to them finding a little bit more success in the second half. But, you know, in the end, they weren't able to get the goal. So a bit of a frustrating draw, I would say, probably for Real Madrid and maybe for Villarreal too. I mean, they, they were getting into so many good spots, but they just couldn't get their shots off. Um, and I think Villarreal, I mean, they really missed their sort of key striker and leading goal scorer, this goal scorer, scorer, goal scorer mm, yes. of the season, Gerard Moreno, who's got eight goals this year. Uh, he's out with a, an injury and at a pretty bad time for them. So, you know, who knows if, if he was the one finding the ball at his feet in some of those positions that Chacoise was getting, you know, teammates into, he might've been able to put one in goal, but yeah, just a really fr- uh, frustrating day in front of goal for both teams. So, who who is this uh, Eden hmm, Eden Hazard? <laughs> Eden Hazard, <laughs> you say? Yeah did 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 he make an appearance? No, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Eden Hazard played soccer for nine minutes today, Woo! yesterday at the time of recording. What a day for the guy. He touched the ball four times. Congratulations, Eden. <laughs> he had one big chance created, though, in those nine minutes. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just put that in the notes because I thought it was funny. Eden Hazard's like another one where it's like Real Madrid spent a boatload of money to get him, and that has not worked out at all for them. Um, and lucky for them, their financial situation is a little bit different than Barcelona, and they can kind of take that on the chin better. But yeah, yeah just threw that in there because we saw Eden Hazard and what. I don't know. Where's he been? Hanging uh, out, living the La Liga life. <laughs> living La Liga vo- uh, loca. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Luka Jovic also get, came in uh, for Madrid for Bale. And yeah, he chipped the keeper, uh, Rui, and hit the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Basically had a wide open look at net, chip it over the keeper, and, and you're good. And uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't get it down quite enough. But hey, what can you do? Any Not last score. thoughts on that one? Um, I really like La Liga's uh, graphics. Ah, yes. Hey, it's such a clean, it looks like a video game. It and, does. And, and like the way they introduce the players, they look like giants on the field. They like step out of the yeah. ground. Yeah, and like the referee was running at one and it was just like, <laughs> if he looked up right then, it would have been like kind of <laughs> cool. There's a giant Casemiro <laughs> on the field. Betamax Casemiro. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was all I had left from this game. Yeah, it was in all like it was. There were some exciting moments, but it, to me, it was kind of boring. Uh, I don't know. It was well, I, it was nothing to compare to the next game. Yeah, so good, maybe maybe we should use that really nice segue to to move into Napoli v Inter in a one-one draw. We saw two of the top competitors for the Scudetta. Yeah. Scudetto. Scudetto? I always forget this. I think it's Scudetto. Yeah. 
Googling. Scudetto. Boom. Scudetto. I put the uh, the uh, feminine mm. ending on the word. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, we saw two of the Titans contenders for the Scudetto. Scudetto. God, <laughs> you just told me. Um, draw in a really exciting 1-1 draw. Serie A right now at the top of the table is just... Like, it's so it, exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah, there's just a ton of teams that are competing for first. It's by far the most entertaining competition uh, on Europe at the moment uh, of the top five leagues, I would say, um, given just how contentious that title race is going to be and the top three race really is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, t- tons of fun to watch, but maybe we can get into this game, Maddie. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we were finishing Villarreal Real Madrid uh, as this game was starting. So, you know, of course, Lorenzo Insigne uh, scores off a penalty kick in the eighth minute, like right as right after we turned the game on. Um, no, 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 we hadn't even turned the game on yet. Yeah. So he's or, I'm sorry, right before he ter- yeah. turned the game on. So um, we still had not seen a goal this entire day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> we, we, we came into it with Napoli already well, with a one goal lead. Um, and that came off of a player that I think you highlighted in, in the rundown I here. I did, I did. Um, Victor Osimhen, who drew a penalty in the box uh, after he kind of used his strength and size to get between the ball and uh, DeVridge, DeVry? DeVry. Um, yeah, DeVry, um, who just kind of cleared him in the heel. And yeah. Osimhen went down, they called a foul, and Insigne took the penalty. I watched the replay of it, and it was like, I don't know, I don't want to comment on like, you know, if they called it right or not, because I obviously have a very, um, I have a favorite of this game. Oh yeah. Um, was it Napoli? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love Napoli. I thought Osiman, mm-hmm. he just was a big, a really good bully in yeah. this game. He could body his way onto any ball and they couldn't do anything about it. And he showed that in eight, the eighth minute when he bodied his way to get a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. He, he uses his, his like lower body strength really well. And he's a pretty tall guy. I think he's like six, one or six, mm-hmm. two. And you know, he looks it out there, but he, he has a, a pretty solid base and he, yeah, he uses his, his weight really well. And I think the key for big guys like that is to, throw around your weight in such a way that doesn't look like you're like manhandling people because you're just going to get called for fouls for doing that. That's Lukaku's problem. Yeah. (laughs) Lukaku, I think, is even a more extreme case because his lower his lower body strength is just off the charts. He's an insanely strong guy. Yeah. And I think people just kind of bounce off of him even when he doesn't really intend to uh, make that happen. But yeah, really impressive player. I mean, he's a huge target for them in the middle of the field. Um, and you know, they, they launched balls to him uh, quite frequently because yeah, he just settles it at his feet or, um, he can, even if it's like not really going to him, he'll just like kind of find the player that's going to and just body him off of it and mm-hmm. wait for, uh, reinforcements to arrive. Yeah. So yeah, really good, really, really good performance from him. Another player, Maddie, that you highlighted was Denzel Dumfries. I, he's, he's new, right? I'm not. Yeah, he's new this season. Yeah, I think he is really. I think he's really making a name for himself here. The partnership between Jacko and Dumfries is really fun because they're both new players, mm-hmm. and they are just kind of both finding themselves, and they find each other a lot of the time. And uh, Jacko can finish, and Dumfries can be the he can body. 
He's he's also a very large man who mm-hmm. knows. I think he's a little bit less subtle about it than um, Osman. Yeah. Uh, but he's also he's a very large man. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. He's like six two, six three, and he's a wing back. I mean, it's <laughs> that's a that's a large person, but he's quick. I mean, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't sacrifice any of the other sort of technical or the physical intangibles just by being a big guy. He doesn't lumber around. So, no. um, yeah, he's pretty impressive. And you know, yeah, he does good work going forward on as a wing back. And um, I think he did find Jacko a couple times for for header chances uh, with with crosses. So yeah, that, that partnership does seem to be rather promising. I think basically. Most most people could could kick a ball in the direction of Ed and Jacko, and he can get ahead to it because he's just yeah. that kind of guy. But he's um, he's as as I've heard you guys say a lot, he's got some really good aerial prowess. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like a cat. Yeah. In the air. Yeah. He always lands on his feet. <laughs> he. I was listening to the announcers, and they said that was his tenth goal of the season. Mm-hmm. And when last season, when he was with Roma, he only ever got eight goals. Yeah. Yeah, so already off to a pretty solid start for him in the league. And we need and we cut and Inter needed that because you we they lost Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> they lost Lukaku and he was a huge finisher for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, massive goal scorer, you know, big tacking threat and you know, one of the one of the, probably the best partnerships in the league in Serie A was Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez. So mm-hmm. That's a uh, a big link to lose uh, between those two players. So Jekko seems to be comporting himself well and uh, getting I don't know built into the team a little better. Maybe that maybe someone would have predicted. I mean, when we were talking about this, I think in the summer or late in the in the fall, um, when Lukaku left and Jekko was coming in, it was like, oh, you know, there's going to be this massive hole there because Lukaku is just like such a, a talented player and, and Jekko's a 35-year-old striker, you know, um, who scored eight goals last year for, for Roma. And that hasn't really been the case. And I think that's obviously been a big boon for Inter in their, you know, title um, chase or defense, I guess, this season. So, yeah. I think Inter also, so they lost Lukaku. But then I think in a more a, it's it's not it wasn't quiet because he went out with a bang, mm-hmm. but they lost Christian Eriksen, who was a major attacking midfielder, and I think with Dumfries filling in with that, and Jacko filling in uh, Lukaku's old position, the two of them are kind of filling in these roles that Inter really needed. Yeah, and you know, Inter made some other signings too. They brought in Hakan uh, Chalanoglu uh, yeah. for the for the midfield, who's a, a, a solid player. For he was playing at AC Milan. He moved across town. <laughs> um, yeah, which I imagine is quite frowned upon uh, if you're the AC Milan side of that deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, they definitely made some I don't know pretty savvy moves. I'd say to try to uh, fill in these holes, and they still had the you know sort of footing of a really solid defense. Um, in place so mm-hmm. you know uh, it's it was good for them that they didn't have to retool there and they can just kind of um, you know swap some players out and try to make some things work with you know obviously the financial constraints they're working with and everything else but yeah I mean they're they're obviously very much in the hunt for the Scudetto I did it I finally did Yay. it and um, yeah I mean the rest of this this season's going to be really interesting to watch from a Serie A perspective. You highlighted uh, Kalidou... Kali Koulibaly. 
Yep. Could they do Koulibaly? Yes. He's a, a center back <laughs> for Napoli. Um, and he was, he, this guy, he's a guy who's been touted as a big money transfer to a quote unquote larger team. Napoli's a big team, but to, you know, a really, a really large team, um, for a long time. And it just never happened for him. And now he's like, you know, 29, he's kind of on the, or I'm sorry, he's 30 now. So he's kind of on the wrong side of, of, uh, you know, the age curve, if you will, um, probably won't get that big money transfer, um, for the rest of his career. But this Napoli team is not one to be, you know, upset that you're stuck on or whatever. If you're Koulibaly. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously very, very good team. Um, they're very competitive in Serie A and, you know, I mean, they could, they could win this thing. So, um, you know, lucky for him that they've kind of found their footing in the league and they're really competing and they've built a good team. I mean, you know, there's really some solid players, but yeah, I think in this game he was, um, you know, really, really impressive. I mean, he, uh, I had some, I had some stats for you. Um, Hit me with them. Yeah. So he won, uh, five of seven duels, which I thought was very impressive. Um, given that, you know, he, he was seemed like he was having to cover for a lot of the sort of, um, looseness, I would say at the back for Napoli, he was kind of their safety net. Um, one unfortunate moment for the guy, I will say where Jekko does get his goal. Um, it came off a really strange kind of bounce around the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jekko had headed it and it was saved. Kulibaly had turned like 370 degrees um, and he seemed to kind of be lost in no man's land. And then uh, Jekko was able to follow up and just smash it into the top of the box or top of the, the goal. So maybe one uh, little uh, black mark on the performance for the day. But other than that, I mean, I think he was pretty imperious at the back. I think it took an unlucky bounce for... Napoli. Yeah. Um, and Jekko was just there to get his own rebound with a weird angle of a shot too. I was, uh, surprised that he was able to land it. So looked like easily into the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting game. I mean, you know, it was a fun game. It was, it, we, we literally said this game's like crack. Yeah. Like it was so, so energetic. I mean, the, the pressure from both teams uh, in the first half was just super intense. Um, and I think Napoli was largely finding more success with their, with their pressing and, and uh, then, than Inter were. Um, but, you know, by the 70 minute marker thereabouts, both teams just looked absolutely gassed. <laughs> oh my God. And they really didn't even make that many subs. I think Napoli did a four, person sub yeah. in like the 80th minute or something yeah very strange i've never seen that yeah and, and they just looked gassed napoli's mm-hmm. press inter had a hard time playing out of and i think that's what really contributed because the first half inter was trying to find footing mm-hmm. and last game inter played they they had a really really solid first half and then their second half they fell off and so not having a solid first half, they found their footing in the second half. If they could just find the sweet spot in between that and maybe play like, you know, an all around good game. game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be really nice for them and their title race. But uh, Napoli worked. It, w- it was it was constantly press- pressing and Inter just didn't know how to deal with it in the first half. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think. I think that's a credit to Napoli. You know, they looked really organized mm-hmm. and really energetic and, and Inter seemed kind of, I don't know, surprised or ill-prepared for it. But like the Villarreal-Real Madrid game, I think 
the same sort of, uh, I don't know, the same sort of development of the game took place. You know, Inter really grew into the game after the halftime, uh, uh, you know, after halftime, um, after the break. And they, yeah, I mean, they looked way, way more comfortable. Napoli were having a harder time. Um, dispossessing, you know, Inter were finding more space. They were finding, you know, more time on the ball. And, yeah, they just looked generally uh, more comfortable and grew, grew more into the game in the second half, which, to be fair, I think it helps that they scored literally in the 49th minute, um, or 47th minute, rather, yeah. like basically right out right out from uh, the kickoff of, of halftime. Jacko gets his goal, which really helps. Both teams, you know, they in their in their scored scoring half they scored very early yeah that's true yeah and it uh yeah i mean that'll 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 really throw a wrench in the plans a, a spanner in the works if you will <laughs> um you know if uh you suddenly find yourself down or up i mean you know teams teams adjust to to play differently um in that game state so you know that does change things for sure is it is it a yeah fun game Absolutely cannot at all recommend enough the Serie A title race. Really from like, it's like top four really is, is uh, it's anyone's game, but the top three are really closely bunched. They're like all within a point. It's 55, 54, 53, I think something like that. It is, yes. Milan, AC Milan, 55, Inter Milan, 54, Napoli, 53, um Juve are behind Napoli by eight points but they also have a game in hand so eight points could become five they could become eight they could become seven you know how to do math wow um (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so it's really inter uh, AC Milan and Napoli that are really uh duking it out here so flip on over to Paramount 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 plus Plus, baby We don't get paid to say that, but that's where you watch. No, we actually pay to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but with uh, with the Olympics, I got Peacock. Mm. So now we get all the Premier League games and Syria. I don't know where the Bundesliga plays, honestly. I think it's ESPN Plus, isn't it? Oh, and we have that. Wow. <laughs> God, we have problems. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we moving back into the Premier League? Let's do it. With just another barn burner of a game. <laughs> I I wrote this. I got a laugh out of Blair and an LOL out of Jacob. She's uh, got to say it. She's yeah, say it. I, I have to say it. Uh, we watched Newcastle against Aston Villa. And then I the subheading for this game was the actual villains against the Aston villains. I <laughs> <laughs> got him. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here. Um for at least two more days. Little geopolitics joke for you, though, folks. <laughs> for you, for you, cartography heads out there. Uh, yeah, what's this, the scoreline for this game, Maddie? This game was boring. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. <laughs> this game was one zero Newcastle one Aston Villa zero over. I mean, they they had a goal, but it was taken back, and that was about the most exciting part Look of this what game. They did to my boy, Kieran uh, Trippier had a really nice goal. Yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic yeah like they were like okay yep he scored took a weird deflection thought the goalkeeper was gonna have it but he didn't okay and we move on and it wasn't like yeah yeah look at my boy he's done so well (laughs) yeah it was it was really like both teams were just like so out of sorts it seemed and 
especially Aston Villa, where you're really used to seeing them, you know, they, they have solid technical players all over the field. You know, you're used to seeing Matty Cash and Jacob Ramsey and now Coutinho and, you know, Emmy Buendia and all these guys, you know, they link up well. They have, you know, nice uh, crisp passing. They um, are just, they're just good players. And you're used to seeing them perform at a higher level than what they did today. And Where were they today? Yeah, it was just like, I don't know, it's Sunday. Like, I maybe there was a, a sale on on. On, on beverages uh maybe they they all got too full on mountain dew the night before <laughs> jacked up on mountain dew. yeah they they're excited for the super bowl folks yeah they love football yeah um <laughs> and yeah they just couldn't wait for uh their guy matt stafford to win a super bowl ring tonight folks um if you like then you should put a ring. <laughs> that's detroit song tonight yeah it is in in like every sense of the if you like it you should put it right <laughs> um yeah so i don't know it was just a really really poor performance from from aston villa and even like the commentators in the game are just like yeah like J- steven gerrard's gonna be really frustrated with what he's seeing from them and because like the 70th minute they showed him and he's just like sitting slumped in a chair mm-hmm. and they're like yeah he's pissed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has resigned himself to not say anything nobody is performing and they're gonna have a talking to in the locker room yeah later. yeah I remember like taking notes to you like while watching and it was like 10th minute. Yeah. It kind of seems like both teams are really just trying to feel each other out and, and kind of get a sense for the game and what, what each team's trying to do here. 20th minute. Yeah. It seems like they're still trying to feel each other out a little bit. 30th minute. Yeah. Still feeling each other out a little bit. Are they going to feel each other out or is this just going to be the game? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Feeling each other out uh, the game. Um, heavy petting. I don't know. <laughs> Newcastle, Aston Villa, a game of heavy petting. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all it was. And like, it's so fitting that the only goal in the game came from a set piece. Cause like they weren't going to do it in open play, you know? No, neither of them really had like a, Oh my God, that could have been it. Except for the one that was it. And then taken back. Yeah. Cause it was offsides. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, you know, obviously Trippier scores, uh, Trippier scores in the first half, right. Um, off of a, a set piece. So, I mean, th- and there was like, a, that was, it came off of like a pretty, probably one of Newcastle's better attacking chances um, in the game where they, you know, were able to regain possession. Joe Willick was driving up the field. Um, Callum Chambers, his ex-Arsenal teammate, uh, comes out for a heavy challenge, completely misses the ball, um, and gets most of Joe Willick. And he goes down literally an inch outside of the box. Like, they they spent, like, so long checking to see whether he was in the box or not. And, you know, obviously, at the end, they decided that he was just outside and it was just going to be a free kick, which, you know, if you're Aston Villa, you prefer, obviously. Um, did it make a difference? Did not make a difference. <laughs> it, it it somehow made its way through the wall. Yeah. So like it went like between the wall and the nearest defender, I think. Yeah. So it was like right around the edge of the wall and then um, between like, I don't know who was on the edge of the wall and, and that person in Emmy Buendia, who was the nearest Villa defender. And he just kind of like wildly swung his foot up behind himself to get contact with it. Yeah. And it redirected it just enough where Emmy Martinez, who's kind of tracking the uh, trajectory of the shot was suddenly off track. Um, and it just went over his extended hand. He couldn't do anything about it. At first it looked like, you know, it should have gone straight at Martinez and he just whiffed on the save. But I think 
you know, on second look, that that redirection from Wendia really uh, threw him off and he couldn't really do anything about it. So let come to the 31st minute, right? So three successive increments of 10 minutes where they're feeling each other out. Then this one thing happens. Single moment, Trippier scores. Game winning goal. And, and then the rest of the game just kind of... They, they pass it around, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a game of keep away. Both teams, you know, had possession, both teams lost possession. Um, you know who couldn't keep possession? <laughs> Who's that? Maddie Cash. Yeah, it he was, struggled. I, I'm not used to seeing it. I'm you like he has been a very solid player for weeks on end. And today, even the announcers were saying, like, he's just kind of stumbling. Mm-hmm. And he gets the ball at his feet, and it's like, oh, God, what do I do? <laughs> and, like, the ball goes flying. Oh, and- boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just kind of disappointing because he is the outside attacking mid. He's what's going to drive your attack. And when that guy can't keep the ball at his feet or just passes it away, where's your attack? I must say, Maddie, that Maddie Cash is their right fullback, but he plays very high up the field. Oh, he's so, on defense. Yeah, so I can <laughs> I can see why you would think he is an attacking mid because that's basically what he does. There's a bank robbery <laughs> and a car chase going straight down a road. It's a one way though, so I don't know why you would do that. I guess if you were to. Our neighborhood's very confusing. Yeah. If you were on a car chase, though, would you want to be on one ways? Anyway, <laughs> something to think about with the uh, bank robbery group chat so that everybody's in. Yeah. So, yeah, Matty Cash just, um, he fumbled the bag, <laughs> uh, as they say. And this was another game where it was like all the attacking is like going down like one side mm-hmm. again. At the start, it was basically Newcastle were feeding the ball to Ryan Frazier. And Ryan Frazier was trying to uh, make the most of it. And, you know, we noted that Alan St. Maximen, like, basically wasn't in the game. Um, Yeah. He kind of showed up, you know, later in the second half, and he had a little bit of, he had a couple more drives, tried mm -hmm. to get a couple more fouls called. um, And I wasn't, I wasn't impressed really either with him today, even when he did show up. It was like, I don't know. Everybody yep. just kind of seemed like they showed up to the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, hi, coach. I'm here to play, but I really don't want to. Yeah. Are there going to be snacks at halftime? <laughs> there probably were. There's more Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, yeah. So St. Maximin's like a really fun player, and it mm-hmm. kind of sucks that he's on now uh, Super Evil Michael Corp uh, FC, but like, what can you do? And like, he's a very like threatening attacker. Like he's great with the ball at his feet. He loves to dribble. He he's great carrying the ball, but I think he has that same sort of like syndrome that like all players that are really great at like beating players off the dribble or, um, you know, making nice long carries where they just don't know quite when to pass the ball. Hold on to it for a little bit yeah. too long. And he just would find himself in crowds and be dispossessed. And that would be the end of that. Or um, dribble himself into like a corner or yeah. a sideline and not know how to get out of it. And nobody's showing for him yeah. because he's dribbled into a corner. Yeah, And you don't really know where he's going to go, you know, because <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah, we got to live. Let Alan just kind of have as much space as possible because he needs it. Like he's going to try to use all of it. His name is Alan. Alan Maximin. Yeah. Oh, he had a it's, such it's, a, well, it's like Alan. Oh, you know, okay. he's French. So, um, 
but obviously very technically talented player. I think he bagged a couple of goals in their uh, matchup. Is that at the midweek? Um, I'm not sure anyway, but he's got it in him. Um, and obviously he's just really important to their attack, but just wasn't really uh, clicking for him today. So it, it also, you know, didn't click for Coutinho. I don't even know. I, I don't even know if he got 10 touches on the ball. I don't Let's even remember seeing out. him. He had 45 touches, Maddie. Well, now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think more of like the spirit of what you're saying is correct. Because what, um, you know, like what Coutinho like, did with the ball basically was like not very noteworthy. You know, like mm-hmm. he had 45 touches, but it felt like 10 because yeah. what was he doing with it? Yeah, it was just like uh, Alan's middle name is, oh, I, at first I read as Irene, but it's like Irene. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, what, what, what is he doing with it? You know, there, there just wasn't a lot there. He had a couple of key passes, you know, but no shots really, no shots provided on target. Yeah, just didn't really provide a whole lot. Same with Watkins, you know, Buendia was a little better. I mean, he was, you know, a little more present in the attack, but no more than Coutinho was. So it was just, it was just a really poor performance from them going forward. I think the most important, most exciting part of the game was when, um, was it Tyrone Mings got his jersey like ripped oh, off yeah. of his back? <laughs> it was like, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either you're very strong or these shirts need to be made of something stronger. <laughs> Dan Byrne took a, a mighty handful of his <laughs> six foot six man claw and just ripped the lower bottom back of uh, Ming's shirt just completely off. I don't just know. Do a crop top. Yeah, he had the Zeke Elliott thing going, <laughs> um, crop top. But yeah, it was a little chippy there um, in the end. But yeah, I mean, Villa had their moments though, right? I mean, they came mm-hmm. out. Of, they came out of the half, and you know, it seemed like they probably got an earful from Steam Gerrard at, at halftime, and he was just like, uh, you know, you guys remember that you've got to play the rest of the game, right? Um, and like they did have like, they had a promising spell, like 20 minutes or so of, of decent attacking play. Um, and you know, it amounted to one goal that was called off sides. The attacking momentum, like, uh, thing on sofa score. Mm -hmm. It's all blue. It's all Aston Villa on the second half Mm -hmm. and just nothing happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, their goal happened, but. Obviously, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, so a frustrating day for Aston Villa and obviously a vital three points for Newcastle who are finding themselves further and further uh, away from the um, f- the misery, the fear inducement, the uh, I don't know where you're going challenges here. of the championship. Ah. Um which is obviously great for them and bad for the rest of us yeah. who are really hoping and rooting for them to go down and stay down forever. No offense. It's um, like you can buy a <laughs> yeah, relegation can. winning uh, run. Yeah, you, you, um, you want to talk about you know fairness and competitive balance in the sport and then you watch a team come in and spend as much money as they did in January the second most ever spent in a January transfer window yeah. was Newcastle United, and the first is Barcelona. <laughs> like, uh, w- <sighs> yeah, they now find themselves four points clear um, of 18th 
Norwich still have... Uh, actually, Norwich have played one more game than them, uh, but Watford and Burnley still have a couple of games to make up. Actually, Watford are even on games. It's mostly just Burnley. So um, Newcastle are finding themselves in a better position. Um, generally, they're playing what looks like actual professional soccer and not whatever the hell they were doing for the first like 10, 12 weeks of the season. And Practicing. Yeah, I think they've basically bought themselves safety for this year and... Um, you know, if you were a fan that was rooting for them to go down for that momentary year reprieve of the monumental cash infusion they're about to get in the summer, it looks unlikely. It looks unlikely. Yeah. So on that cheery note, Maddie, any final thoughts on the day? On the day? Oh, uh, yeah. So, so sorry to Bruno. Um, we butchered his name. Do you want to redeem yourself by saying it correctly? Can I Google it again really quickly? Yeah, sure. We can cut this, right? Bruno Gimarines. Bruno Gimarines. I'm hearing... Gimarines. Where's the N coming from? Gimarines. Gimarines. Gimarines, yeah. Yeah. Bruno Gimarines. Yeah, okay. Uh, we said Gimarish. Okay, to be fair to you guys, because I didn't say that, but I yeah. was basically saying that yeah, uh, off air, folks. To be fair to you guys, I feel like we suddenly discovered that like all names in Portuguese are just pronounced much differently than we would have kind of expected as native English speakers, mm -hmm. where like it was like in the in the years of summer, it was like, you know, uh, Bruno Fernandes or whatever, where we were like finding out that the S at the end of his name kind of makes like a sh sound. And it just like threw everybody for a loop. And we, I, I don't know. I mean, we all, I, I discovered that things are not what they seem. Yeah. So. Well, Bruno got um, three minutes <laughs> in this game and one minute in the last game. So really making his huge impact. But the fan base was chanting his name in like the 70th minute. And the announcer was like, this guy has never played. And the fan base is rallying behind him. They are excited. They've never seen him play, and they are excited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your biggest money signing of the, of the window. You want to see him play. You, you get excited for these things. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what they're, I guess, rooting for, I guess. But. So co-host Jacob sent us an email uh, 30 seconds before we started recording, and he has made us a graph um, titled Players Outside the Top 3 Who Are Top Expected Goal Contributors. Maybe the graph will be like somewhere right here. Oh, yeah. We can put it up there. We could probably try. For all of our audio listeners, it'll be right on the green screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the green screen that you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing it. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, are there any surprises on here? Anybody you were surprised about? I'm going to attempt to describe what I'm seeing on a graph. It'll be on Instagram as well. The graph will be on Instagram. Cool. So if you want to take a look at the graph with all of the names, it'll be probably formatted better. Sure. This. And you can follow along as I speak, as Maddie speaks, on what we're seeing here. All right. So it's a graph, right? So you got a square. Um, there's an X and Y axis. Now, the Y axis goes in a vertical direction, <laughs> up and down. <laughs> 
x-axis goes in a horizontal direction left okay. and right uh-huh that's Picturing like algebra it. one uh basics so maybe not even that it's like pre-algebra gra- graph graph theory so we've got on the x-axis non-penalty xg which means the goals that we would expect each player to score not counting xg accumulated from penalty shot attempts because we know that penalty shot attempts are significantly higher than what you get generally in open play and so uh, stat heads like to exclude those to see what their you know true open play uh, expected goals are some players who take a lot of penalties have really inflated xg numbers um, and so that's why you want to uh, subtract those because you want to see you know what are they actually doing in open play situations so that's one. On the y-axis, vertically, we've got the expected assists, which is just basically the same thing as expected goals, but it's the number of assists you would expect a player to provide uh, in a season. And so uh, together, the, those make up the two coordinates. The better performances are the players that are you know, up and to the right, which means that they're providing both goals and uh, they're providing higher numbers for both expected goals and expected assists. Um, some players are you know, very high in only one direction. Interestingly, Cristiano Ronaldo is very high in XG. Um, he's the furthest to the right at 8.6 expected goals for non-penalty XG, but he's very low on XA, only 1.7. So what does that tell us? <laughs> he doesn't like to share. <laughs> he didn't learn this lesson in kindergarten that sharing is caring. Yes. Um, but strangely enough, his, his good pal... And uh, confidant Bruno Fernandez is high on the expected assists and one of the lowest on uh, expected goals. Yes. So maybe uh, because the, 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 the trick with stats, right, is you need to contextualize them within the team, within how they're trying to operate. And, you know, you need to actually like watch the games and see what they're doing. Right. So if you have a guy like Bruno, who's the setup man, you know, is it so bad that Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't like to share? No, but it's bad when he goes six games without scoring. It is bad. Yeah, that's not a great sign. Yeah, because if he's not going to share and he's not going to score, <laughs> then what is he going to do? He's going to complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to walk off the field and pout and not say anything to anybody for a while. And yeah. spit on his teammate. He, yeah, that was what was that? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think it was on purpose, but it doesn't look good. It didn't look good. Yeah, so as Maddie said, uh, Bruno Fernandez, Fernandez is <laughs> highest in the XA category. He's sitting on 4.1 non-penalty XG and 6.6 XA. So, you know, pretty decent all-around game, I would say, from him. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, that sticks out with what you see from Bruno. Mm-hmm. He can put it in the net and he can serve it on a platter. Any surprising names that you see here on this uh, plot chart? Thing? Yeah, I think uh, another pairing is on this chart. Uh, Sun Hyung Ming. So, Sun. I'm just gonna go with Sun. Hyung Min Sun. Yeah. Hyung Min. Yeah. Why is it backwards? It, it's it's yeah. How they do names? It's like the the um, what is it? The patronym? Is that what it is? I don't know. Anyway, your your the last name precedes the first name. Okay. Because like when we were watching the Olympics, it was like. Uh, Kagiyama Yuma, mm-hmm. but I think they is real like he, he would say his name is Yuma Kagiyama. Okay, yeah. So Hyung Min Sun and Harry Kane both have high expected goals, and both are higher in the expected assists. Mm-hmm. Meaning they're a very good partnership for either 
putting it in the net or giving it up to their counterpart in expected goals. Yeah, so I guess we should say that they're theoretically good mm-hmm. at putting it in the net mm-hmm. and, uh, and Apparently not today. serving it up their partner. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sorry, Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, Harry Kane had like six shots today. Um, Neither and they lost of us the feel bad nope. for them. Nope. <sighs> so much hatred. <laughs> um, I thought... Jamie Vardy, I was kind of surprised, is on here. He hasn't really been playing all that well and all that much with a expected goals of 6.2 and expected assists of 1.3. So he's not very high on either of them. Um, 6.2 is pretty good, though. And, uh, there, I mean, nobody really to partner with on, uh, on that for him. Any, any, oh, James Madison, I guess, is on here too. What, uh, which one surprised you? What surprised me? I think it's interesting that, um, actually, let me, let me check myself here because, uh, check yourself before I w- you wreck yourself. Yeah, I was about to wreck myself. <laughs> um, yeah, Watford have a couple of players on here Emmanuel Dennis and Joshua King, um, mm. who, you know, Wofford, you don't really think of as particularly a formidable attacking team. But, yeah, both guys show up here um, in the, you know, better underlyings category. So Josh King's um, sitting a little higher on the expected goals than Dennis's. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of surprised to see those names listed, I guess. We also see Ivan Tony and Brian and Buemo um, for Brentford on the list. Um, and yeah, only one Arsenal player, uh, Bukayo Saka, the young lad, um, who just squeaks in the list at 4.7 MPXG and 3.4 expected assists. And these are all as of before this weekend's yes. scores too. So a couple of days ago, but I don't think they'll change either that much. Yeah. Um, West Ham, other standouts, Mikel Antonio and Jared Bowen. Yeah, huge, um, huge. Both of them yeah. are the top right corner is West Ham. Yeah. Massive club West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, West Ham uh, also maybe in that top four contention, but we'll see. Well, they squeaked one out today, <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, Lester's doing great. <laughs> I love <laughs> supporting his team. Yeah. Yeah, so Jacob's working with the the old stats, the old numbers. He's got the abacus out. He's got the uh, vinyl see-through green visor. He's smoking cigarettes. He's in mm. a darkly lit room, and he's crunching the numbers for you guys at the expense of his own uh, lung health. So, Poor guy. Hopefully, we'll see some more of this stuff from him and maybe more of it uh, in writing. I think he's maybe going to try some blogs. We'll see. Okay. Christian Benteke is on this list. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, and, you know, not very high on either of them, but he's there. Yeah. Just one of those guys where it's just like, uh, he just doesn't, I don't know, doesn't really pop for me, but, hey, I don't know, that that, uh, Crystal Palace attack's been a little more formidable this year than they've been in years past, so good to see him there, I guess. Yeah. We will put this on the Instagram um, and on the YouTube video when this goes up so you can follow along. Um, is there any 
Any other games that you wanted to? Uh, I mean, you guys didn't. You Arsenal didn't have a game this weekend. No, we uh, beat. We just barely beat Wolves at the midweek. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was an interesting game. Yeah, Leicester women won three to zero today. Hell yeah! In a huge game. Yeah, they did. Wait, did they play West Ham? Western women? Yeah. Yes. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's that's an interesting scheduling thing. Both so Leicester women played West Ham and won three to zero, and Leicester men played West Ham and tied two to two. Yes. That's, that's a good result though. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's just frustrating because Leicester does this week in and week out. They lose the game in the last ten minutes. Yeah. Can't finish. They need to work on that defense. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a problem for a while. All right. I think we're going to go get prepped for some uh, some different kind of football. Yeah, Maddie, who's going to win the Super Bowl? That would be the Detroit Tigers. Lions, Lions. The Lions are going to win it? Yep. They aren't in it this year. Who's mm. going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, Maddie Stafford and his... Fuck. Um, <laughs> the the Bengals. Maddie Stafford is going to transfer to the other team. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I knew it was wrong. The Los Angeles Rams, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Rams and the Bengals are going to duke it out in a safari-style throwdown. And uh, Matt Stafford is going to come out riding a ram, which is really exciting, I think, for zookeepers everywhere. <laughs> Animal rights activists. <laughs> PETA will be pissed. Will not be happy. <laughs> yes. I think the Rams are going to win as well for one reason, for two reasons. One, I want Matt Stafford to win it. I won't go so as far as to say that we're there like the Detroit Rams or whatever, uh, because the Detroit Lions are such a woeful excuse of a professional (laughs) sports franchise that there's literally like hundreds or thousands of fans like latching on to another team's Super Bowl as if it's their own because one player that used to play for our team is now on their team. His first year out of contract with the Lions, he's like, yeah, I can do it now. Just like such a sad state of affairs <laughs> for us as Lions fans. We had the guy for like 10 years that we couldn't get to the Super Bowl or even like win a playoff game and he's at the Rams for one season isn't in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like, come on. Anyway, we're that's fine. It's fine. We're over it. But halftime show is Eminem. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop cool. Dogg. Right? And I didn't hear Eminem, but I heard. Uh, there's a oh, isn't it like um, not Ashanti? What's her name? Um, I saw it. There, there's a, um, there's a, ad, like a, there's a video that they made to advertise. It was like a trailer of mm-hmm. the halftime show. It's uh, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Ooh. Snoop Dogg, and Mary J. Blige. Ah, that'll be great. Yeah. It's going to be huge. I'm excited for the snacks. I'm excited yes. for Matt Staff. Excited for um, the snacks. My second reason was the Rams have a great defensive line, and the Bengals' offensive line has been pretty poor in the playoffs. So good luck, Joe Burrow. I think you're going to be running around a lot tonight. Ha! <laughs> All right. You're going to burrow yourself in a hole. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Anything else, Blair? No. Laptop's closed. Cheers. Have a great weekend or week.